I have learned that uh, who who what's the book with uh, Beth and um, Amy? Anne of Green Gables. No, Tori, help <laughs> me out here. Come on, Beth. Who's Beth and Amy? Sisters, Beth and uh, God damn it, Joe. <laughs> Beth and Joe. Oh, Little Women. Little women? Yes. Every book that I read and love is just a variation of Little Women. Like my favorite books, the ones that I get five stars to, are the variations of Little Women. Dan, will you please take this, make it the cold open, and repeat it again in this place? Like, that is good enough. I want to hear it twice. Welcome to another episode of Pajiba, the Pajiba television podcast. I'm Pajiba comedy editor Dan Hamamura, and with me, as always, are Pajiba managing editor Tori Preston. Hello. Hello, Tori. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to honor it only because this is Damn. this is the this you is what we've done. To. You don't have to. No, do these that. Are, these are the rules, and I have to abide by them. Dan's literal hero. <laughs> Dun, you know, no, you know what? I have to say it without laughing. Dan's literal hero, Dustin Rolls. Thank you, Dan. That means so much to me. Look, Dustin loves Soul Asylum and Collective Souls, so you know. I don't who knows, like Collective Souls. I heard. I heard he thinks that they're the same band. Yeah, that's no, what I heard stop too. It. God damn it! <laughs> Soul Asylum is good. Collective Soul is not. But how can uh, you tell the difference? Mm-hmm. Because. I grew up in the '90s. I knew them all. I had you, all of their you, albums. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Oh, on so you Slack own a collective today, soul album? Uh, did you I'm just sure admit to? Yeah. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure on Slack today you did say "Runaway Train" was Collective Soul's greatest song. No. And everyone quickly corrected shit. you and said, uh, "That is stop? that is <laughs> soul asylum." This is untrue. Everyone on Pajiba, other than Dustin, definitely remembers Soul Asylum. If you've ever been on Slack, you know how it says several people are typing? Like, Dustin was so wrong, it said everyone is typing. (laughs) You know, Collective uh, Soul, they sounded just like Candlebox. You guys remember Candlebox? No. The name sounds familiar, but no, I I don't remember them. Were they a riff on Matchbox 20? No, but Matchbox 20, well, my, Rob Thomas is like one of those guys like uh, Darius Rucker, who has like an amazing voice, but not great songs. Or the guy from Crash Test Dummies. Like that no, band was no. just his voice. I know, but some of those songs are so good. Right, but because he's singing them. Like if anyone else sang no, no, them. No, he sang the song about Superman and uh, uh, Superman's, oh my God, it was so good. And he was a, he's a literary professor in uh, Canada, and he had, uh, you know, Afternoons and Coffee, coffee Spoons was T.S. Eliot. And, oh, my God, that came out right when I was, like, um, studying uh, uh, T.S. Uh, J. Alfred Prufrock in, in college and just, like, floored me. Nobody cares about it. So, so <laughs> Dustin, what like have you been drinking tonight is my question. <laughs> I, I, I'm an Allagash Knight. All right. Also, I uh, took a, well, okay, um, we had, like, some um, chocolate um, edibles, like a chocolate bar, 
but they've been in a refrigerator for literally a year. So I don't think there's anything, any potency left in them whatsoever. So whatever I'm feeling is totally placebo, but I'm enjoying it. They definitely worked. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's They're a year old. Yeah, but they're in candy. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You should eat more and find out. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, Tori, what about you? Um, I had a bottle of red wine that was open for I don't know how long, and I was like, I should probably keep drinking that. But I'm also really hot because we started the wood stove, and it's oh. so fu- it's so hot because it's like. <laughs> cold enough out that we need something but not cold enough out to mitigate how much heat the wood stove puts out so anyway so i put some seltzer in it so i'm making like a summer wine drink (laughs) it's very refreshing and i'm sitting here sweating for a second i thought you meant that you put seltzer water in the wood burning stove and i had other questions but no i i I, I caught up to it now let me (laughs) let me ask you i i a logistical question, Tori. Yes. With your wood stove. Yes. Uh, how much wood do you bring inside at a time? Uh, do you have a place inside to put your wood, or you just stack some on top of uh, next to the stove? Um, so I have a, we have like a little tiny back porchy thing mm-hmm. where I have a big um, circular hoop like log holder. Right. Yes. Um, and it holds enough for like. If we really fill it up, it's enough for like a couple days. Um, oh, but you still have to go outside to get it. We will. But then we bought a smaller, like a tiny one that'll hold like maybe, you know, a few hours worth or maybe like most of a day's worth. Uh-huh. Um, and that'll be in our front room. Um, but we haven't actually been using that. Like we just, you know, sometimes it's been so hot in the house. It's nice to take a break and step outside to grab a piece of wood. <laughs> the real problem isn't. So, yeah, that's how. So we never leave wood stacked by the stove. We have like separate holders and like places to put it. Right. Um, the real problem is once probably by like January, February, when we've had a couple of good snowstorms, but the snow has then fallen off the roof. Because that will block the path from oh. that back porch to our wood piles. And you end up having to carry wood over um, a snow pile that is higher than the porch. Oh, no. Yeah. So you have to, yeah, you have to climb up and then down and then reverse. Yeah. While while carrying uh, wood. So that's fun. <laughs> we, we, we have a, like, um a closet underneath the stairs, which was right near the wood stove. And we used to just fill that up. Uh, but that was a pain in the ass. So at this point, all the wood is stacked in uh, the garage. So I just take a wheelbarrow out and then I just leave the fucking wheelbarrow next to the stove. Not next to it, but like close enough. That... <laughs> Where is the stove? Is it in your kit? Like, like in the house? What room yeah, yeah. now it's, has it's, a wheelbarrow in it? Well, it's in the hallway outside the living room next to the stairwell so i just like you know a wheelbarrow at a time and if people come over which hasn't happened in two years right. you know i'll hide the wheelbarrow but otherwise you know fuck it. i no don't you leave that wheelbarrow right where it is maybe dress it up <laughs> you could like hang decorations on it or something but just be like yeah that's our new installation like that's you know 
But man, and here here it's about sixty degrees, so it's it's <laughs> yeah, pretty cold, yeah. is what I'm saying. You're wearing a long sleeve shirt. I'm I'm wearing layers, you know. <laughs> it was a nice day. We had like a sixty degree day. Yeah, it was nice. Didn't you have snow last week? Yes. Didn't hit that yeah, That didn't mm-hmm. make it here. We've had frost and we had snow, and uh, yeah. And then it was like fifty today. It was nice. Did any of that weather make it to upstate New York, a region that we all definitely know where it is? Because it's, it is, to be clear, the entire state that is not New York City. Central New York is a lie that people in upstate New York tell themselves to feel better about being in upstate New York. I had this discussion with my wife this week because I wanted to see what she said. And she said that, yeah, and she agreed that everything... In New York, that's not New York City, is upstate. So the Ithaca is upstate, but it is also central New York. It is central of the state that right. is up. Right. Yes. It's, it's in the center of the up part. Right. Right. Yes. But I love how everything, even like the state of New York, understands that what it is is in relation to New York City. Right. <laughs> like New York City isn't downstate New York. <laughs> New York no. State is upstate New York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that out. Yeah. But if anyone wants to draw any maps to really like hammer that point home, um you can send them to Dustin on Twitter at, at @pajiba. Just if you feel like it. Mhm. Um, I, I would definitely love to, love to see a map, but no, only, only if it's only if the, the mood strikes, you know, it's yeah. not, no, no requirement. Um, uh, we have a lot of shows to talk about, so we should probably get into it. Um, uh, I need to write down time codes so that <laughs> I know how to edit this. Um, yeah. What are we starting with? Oh, uh, well, I wanted, I actually, there was one thing I wanted to, I wanted to start with, um, speaking of New York. Uh, there's a show that tapes there called Saturday Night Live. Which, uh, well, Dustin, it's funny that you say that you've never heard of it because you do uh, rate it uh, every week that it's on. And you rate it, you know, somewhat lower than probably deserves. But Roughly uh, about two points lower roughly, per sketch. Yeah, yeah approximately. But uh, I, I wanted to, one, uh, this week was the Kieran Culkin episode. Uh, it was, I thought it was really good. I thought it was probably their best episode of the year. Yeah, so far. I think it might uh, yeah. be better than Sudeikis. Uh, solid sketches, uh, pretty clear premises, uh, heightened appropriately. Um, but in particular, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the spectrum sketch, which was the first one after the monologue. Uh, and I'm of two minds of this because one, Dustin, I believe you gave it a six out of 10. Uh, Mm -hmm. it is a, a, uh, uh, it's just a tale of a man trying to get through to cancel his, uh, his TV service with spectrum and, uh, you know, chaos ensues. Uh, and one, I thought that this sketch should be a 10 because obviously what Spectrum, Spectrum is, a, is a kind and just overlord. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, I thought maybe it should be a zero because this is so absurd that like Spectrum customer service would never be this, this horrible or weird. Um, so, so I don't know, uh, you know. Maybe, right. maybe that's what makes it so laughable. Is just the fact that, like, spec uh-huh. of all the cable company, like Spectrum would never do that. Right. Absolutely not. 
you know, uh, but if they had used a different cable company, it wouldn't be funny because it would just be true. That's 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 true, Tori. So so I yeah. think I, that that does make sense now that you've you've pointed it out that way. So so either um, ten or a zero, and yeah. and so, Bo so and Yang it, as 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 Spectrum, right? Yeah. Um, picking the the correct cast member to play the almighty, you know, Spectrum, uh, oh, who who, who provides us all that we see. <laughs> including (laughs) Spectrum Originals like L.A.'s Finest and the gothic one with Josh Hartnett. (laughs) Those are the only two that we can name. Also, Mad About You, the revival Mad About You season. Um, Which should have been on NBC. Why wasn't that on NBC? Uh, (laughs) That is a good question. Spectrum, you know, they just really respected the craft more than more than NBC did, I think. They were in the Paul Reiser business, and I respect that. Yeah. You know, I um, <laughs> I hate the phone so much that the last time I quit Spectrum, <laughs> I literally went there in person to do it. And I thought by doing it in person, I could save myself that whole journey. But no, no, no. There's the, like a mile and a half line behind me of angry people, and they still tried to talk me into keeping cable and kept me there for, like, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes just offering and offering and offering. Did you end up with a landline? i very close. <laughs> you very, were, yeah, it was a close thing, close, right? yes. Why, okay, so walk me through the thought process that led you to, to, the, to decide that doing something in person would be less horrible well, I, than doing <clears> it over the phone. I have no idea, but I hate the phone and I will always do it in person over the phone if I can. Like... Like ordering food from, I would rather go there and order and then just wait for half an hour for the food to come rather than call. Wouldn't you just wait there for the food and then take it home with you? Well, that's what you like for takeout. I would rather get order it there and then just wait there than call it, call from my own home and then wait half an hour so and just pick you, it up. But huh. so, but that is. In every quantifiable r- respect, that is actually a worse interaction. So yeah. is it just the involvement of the phone? Like, is it is it just I don't, the act of holding a phone? I, it, no, it's not the act of holding a phone. I don't know what it is about the phone, like talking to people on the phone. It's just something psychological that just doesn't, I don't, I don't like it. It makes me, I was g- get, it makes me very anxious. I was going to say that I, I would think that it has to do with like the disembodied voice of it, and you can't read body language, except that that's how we record this podcast every week. Right. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're doing fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe Wait. although also you're drinking, so maybe that's part of that. Yeah. Yeah, you should drink before you call people to cancel, or drink oh. before you show up in person. There Are you going to drive out to the wine box company <laughs> and do that in person? <laughs> if I could, I would. That were like if it were like in the city, I would have gone there. Oh, see, I would like it if it was like a, a cross country, like if they were like a some sort of you know startup, like mm-hmm. Silicon Valley startup, and you actually like had a cross country trip that you yeah. li- like blogged or you know <laughs> recorded for YouTube, and it became a whole thing about you needing to go and cancel your wine box in person because you refused to call, and you end up like at a. You end up at like a P.O. box that, you know, but then you, you, you use, you like stake out the P.O. box and you find the person, pick up the mail and then you follow them. And it's just like a, it's just like a, the founder in their apartment in like a walk up and you just like follow them. 
Also, along the way, uh, you, you brought all the wine that you didn't like that came in the boxes, mm. but along the way, you end up making other people taste it. Um, and you, you make friends along the way of you bonding over this terrible wine. This is a this is a good idea. I feel yeah. like maybe maybe we shouldn't be giving this one away for free. Um, <laughs> although, Dustin, you did remind me of a... This is just something random that happened uh, this weekend where I was going to get... Uh, I ordered pizza over the... Well, actually, I used the internet. So online, oh, I ordered God. pizza. <laughs> uh, I was going to say which I called, but I didn't call. Uh, but I ordered, ordered pizza, and then I went down to pick it up. And then while I was waiting, because they were like, oh, it'll be ready in a couple minutes, so I'm just hanging out. And the there was a woman there who was ordering uh, a pizza, but she ordered it for delivery. So she she went to the store, and then and then ordered the pizza. I would, and they yeah. said and and she was like and they were like they were confused because they're like but, but it's for delivery. She's like yeah. And then like and then gave all her info and they're like okay, it'll be like about thirty five forty minutes or whatever it was. And she's like okay. And then she left. And I was just like wait she she came in order deliver like i don't that makes total sense to no. me i would totally do that <laughs> but you're in la so i can see it yeah not necessarily you're walking on their way home you just yeah if you're walking it. yeah and it's if you're closer you know if you lived like a block away and you're, you're just passing by and you're you just stop in with your order mm-hmm. i can't see dustin necessarily doing that like in portland because like are you ever walking home past the pizza places. No. I don't think people in LA walk nearly as much as you think they do. At that's least not. Don't. At least not this part of town. It's yeah, insane. That's true. It's such a beautiful. Like the, I mean, the city's shit, but the weather's so great. It's such a good walking city. The, there aren't enough it. sidewalks. It's like they know no one's walking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all the infrastructure is built for uh, driving. For for driving and or apparently riding uh, rental scooters. Oh. Because uh, they're everywhere now. But New York City, I would do a lot of that because you, I mean, you just walked oh, everywhere yeah. there. Yeah. But I would also, like, just decide to walk to, like, other boroughs because, like, I was bored. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm uh, like, I have a Saturday off. I'm going to go on a 10-mile walk. <laughs> I actually I actually do that when I have uh, when I have the time. I do walk quite a bit and, like, to, like, random neighborhoods and stuff. Be like, oh, this is cool. I've never been around here. And Yeah. Um, you just so set yes, off. So, you're, yes, you're, you're right. That does seem like a plausible explanation but in the moment i was definitely like what is happening i'm so curious <laughs> yeah uh is this a dustin scenario is really what i, it what I was absolutely wondering. would be yes. see now we have the opposite thing where i can't get things delivered to my house but i can use apps to order and then pick them up mm-hmm. but it's the same timetable where everything is like 35 to 45 minutes which is just enough time for me to get to wherever it is because I live up a mountain. <laughs> so I'll be like on my phone, order it while I'm warming up the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the time I get there, it's usually hopefully done. There's uh, also nothing I hate worse than um, like having a scheduled phone call like uh, later in the week because I'm just like anxious every, thinking about it all week long, well, the build up to this phone call. It's like in like I can't sleep. I'm like, how am I gonna do this? What am I gonna say? And even if it's in, and it's almost always like a ad network or something. I have to talk to. Can you meet them in person? Uh, no, they're not. They're all in Florida or LA all the time. Wait, aren't we a call? Isn't no. like what we're doing right now kind of a call? 
Yeah, that's I what I thought. It's, I don't it's scheduled? know why it's different, but it's completely different somehow. Is it the drinking? I don't. I don't even think it's the drinking. No. I don't know. But if I like, I think because it's three of us. <laughs> it's a conference call. <laughs> but but yeah. if I had to call one of you on the phone, I would probably be very nervous about it. So what do you get more upset when it's a scheduled call or if somebody calls you randomly? But like it's one it's not like a call you have to you can ignore. It's like you know who it is, you know you're gonna pick up. Like which oh, is harder? Do I have to pick it up? I don't know. Like when I randomly call you to tell you that power's out at my house. Did I pick it up? Yeah, you usually pick it up. Because oh, okay. you're like I don't know anyone else with an eight oh two number. Oh right. Or, and yeah, Vermont. Um yeah, yeah. well yeah, I, I I don't, I don't know. You don't know which is worse? <laughs> no, 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 definitely the scheduled is worse. Because then I think about it. But this, I'll, you know, or calls sometime. And I always pick it up when he calls because for some reason he is someone that's very easy to talk to. I mean, Cord Lasselton. He's very easy <laughs> to talk to on the phone because he does all the work. Yeah. I had a phone conversation with him and it was delightful. He is, yeah, great phone conversation. It's like there's you'll have something to talk about and then but where he leads the conversation is everywhere other than that and it's just a wonderful journey yes, of discovery. It is. I should he have should more a, calls with him. I know. He's he should be a professional telephone caller maker. They are great. You do have to you do have to block off about ninety minutes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> is the only downside. Do you ever schedule calls with him, or does he just just ring you? Yeah, I mean, Castleton. Only, God damn it, Dustin. <laughs> he only randomly calls me. He's never told me he's going to call me beforehand. That's awesome. All right, well, I have the omit times down, uh, so that... And I'm sure everyone else listening is really excited to hear us talking about why like, wouldn't they random about people we like talking uh, also, to. Also, uh, <laughs> Uh, back to SNL, the jockey, also an excellent sketch. Yeah. Uh, it was so, it, it just hit all the things that I, like so many things that I love. Uh, the uh, the homage to uh, to uh, Goldfinger's Superman, uh, to Tony Hawk and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, the weird like uh, horse racing movie vibe that the first 30 seconds gave. Um, the fact that it's written by the same guy who did Tiny Horse last year, so it had like it had like apparently his theme like I'm blanking on his name but yeah apparently he just loves writing stuff about horses uh the it uh, had that song that like the like the shitty blink 182 song uh it was great I mean yeah it was great but shitty um yeah uh, also, Goober the Clown, which should have had, should have been a ten out of ten from from Dustin. Okay, but, uh, right, that's okay. I gave it an eight. Yeah. An eight is a ten for me. Right, we that's just what we what we figured <laughs> yeah. out is that eight is your ten. But uh, that also of, means I don't think you really have ever given a ten. Yeah, I don't. On Goodreads, I don't give fives, but like once a year. Hmm. So people really use Goodreads as like a thing. I I use it to keep track of my the books I'm reading. Also, you know, I like apps and checking out things. So. But you, uh, but you, uh, you also rate the books. Oh yeah. 
right. I don't write reviews very often, but I, I do rate them. Oh. So do you just, is it like more of a principle thing that you won't give something a five out of five, or is it like you're really just hard to I, please? Like I, nothing, no, I you don't like things. Save that <laughs> for like the very best. Because if you give a, a lot of five out of fives, then, you know, they become meaningless. That, I don't think that's true. I think it's just like if you enjoy something, then it served its purpose. Yeah. Why does everything like like the rating system is arbitrary but your enjoyment like perfection is there is no such thing well the so, princess bride is perfect no Prove me nothing that. is perfect nothing is perfect <laughs> almost famous is perfect almost famous is the opposite of perfect <laughs> um okay well look i just think you know maybe you've built something up in your head where you are keeping yourself from enjoying things because no, no, I still your standards are too high. <laughs> I'm very nice. I will rate things higher than I think they deserve to be because like, you know, somebody put in some hard work and if I got something out of it, like that's all that matters. I'm not going to sit there and like half star them. I do that with The Walking Dead and The Walking Dead only. Well, that's a problem in and of itself. <laughs> I mean, that's the issue. You haven't read a book for like 10 years. <laughs> like one thing that you've invested that much time in. Right. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about it today. That's a segue to something else later in the show. But the only thing that I've written about more than The Walking Dead in the last 10 years is Dexter. Would you the like show? to segue into Dexter now? Well, that wasn't the intent. I was just <laughs> thinking about that. I think you go for it. Yeah. I'm, you guys want to start on Dexter? Sure. Yeah, why not? And you guys, wait, wait. Dan's never seen Dexter before. In I, I, this was the first episode of Dexter I've ever seen. Is the, the first episode of Dexter New Blood, uh, <laughs> which is uh, premiered yesterday on uh, mm-hmm. Showtime. Yes. And Tori, you watched a couple of seasons? Yeah, I think I saw through John Lithgow or something. Okay. Like I would, I watched while it was still pretty much good, and then when it wasn't as good, I quit. But I can't remember what that line was because it was just a lot of sunshine and murder. Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter. I mean, you could have quit after the first season. The only thing you really need to know for the reboot is that um, Deborah uh, died. died. Yeah. Yeah. His sister wife. Pretty sure I saw the finale and was like, "What?" Oh, so bad. <laughs> Wait, and in the show, she's his sister, right? Is that yes. Adopted okay. sister, and there was a lot of sexual tension between the two. And she, had, at one point, did admit she was in love with him, like sexually. Right. Okay. And um, that happened after, right after the divorce, so it was super awkward. Yeah, it's like the writers being like, we weren't ready for you guys to, uh... Because also, didn't he cheat on her? Why did they divorce? Yeah. Oh. There was something where it was like... Possibly, but it happened, I think, you know, fairly soon after he had recovered from cancer, so it seemed weird. I mean, that doesn't foreclose the possibility that he cheated, obviously. Right. it was, the timing of that was strange. Look, it's, yeah. But also, yeah, I don't know. 
And she's still showing up for this show. So yeah, you know. they seem to be getting along, and they they have great chemistry uh, on the reboot, the revival, whatever. Sequel. Yes, something like that. It, anyway, they're back. Uh, Dexter is uh, now going under the name of Jen Lindsay. They're in upstate New York. Um, he's. It's been a decade since the events of the uh, most uh, of the finale, Dexter. right? Yep. Uh, he's living a good life, a simple life, working in a game and fish store and uh, dating a local cop and just having a grand old time and uh, hasn't killed anybody in 10 years. And then uh, some douche, Wall Street douchebag comes in and buys a big gun and spoils everything. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad because like, I understand that the point is that like people don't really deserve to die, but like... He, no, that was always the kind of interesting thing about Dexter was like he kind of did always kill people who did deserve right, it. Right, exactly. And this this douchebag kind of did deserve it. Yeah. Like the whole episode, you're like, I can't wait until Dexter kills you. Right. <laughs> that what's that? That's exactly what makes Dexter so satisfying is that he yeah. kills people who deserve it. Right. So so one question that I had was, and this is because like I I, I knew the setup of you know the the show, but uh, I had never seen it. Um, is this the tension in this episode is very much like like as you're describing Tori, where you're waiting, you're just waiting for him to like you know he's gonna kill somebody right. pretty quickly, you know who he's gonna kill, and then you're just kind of like waiting for for things to build until you know until it gets to that point. Right. Um, but that I'm assuming that's is that that feels like that's probably an an uh, atypical structure. Is that right? Or is that just kind of how it is? Like, Well, I think the idea, I think the tension in this one, and Dustin, correct me if I'm wrong, like the tension in this one is because you, they've established that like he's he's kind of gone straight. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, is he going to break? And his whole character thing is about like having codes. Right. So he's sort of established a set of codes for himself where he's no longer killing. And so mm-hmm. it's like, will he go against that? In the original Dexter, it was like you you knew from the outset that like this man is a serial killer. He goes after people who are basically also serial killers or at right. least he was like a have police done. Officer, and he just basically went after people who got off on tech. Well, he wasn't a pli- He was like a forensic like, yeah, expert, yeah, right. but he, he like worked with the cops yeah. and like his, yeah, his sister was a cop and every, you know, everyone spatter he, expert. Right. Uh, okay. So, um, but his whole thing, the tension then was usually like he would set his sights on someone and then he would, but he wouldn't just kill them. He had to know that they deserved it. So he would be like solving crimes before the cops. I f- isn't that kind of how it would work? Yeah, like he, w- yeah. he would figure out that the person was more deserving, like before the cops had even figured it out. And then he would just kill them. So that's, uh, and then it was, so most of the tension in the show was actually like him outrunning the cops who more or less like were just happy that the person was dead. Mm-hmm. It was only when he killed someone and he knew the reason, but the cops didn't, that then they would, like, look into it deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he got away with it for a really long time. I think that's what's going to make this show interesting is that, like, I mean, Miami was kind of the perfect setting because, like, it's Florida. It's, like, right. people fucking die in Florida. Like, it, you know, the, the sleepy, small, you know, upstate New York town right. where there's not a lot of people and there's you know, that's going to make bigger waves and it will be harder for him to 
to cover his tracks, I think. Right, right. And uh, he's just made an enemy of uh, Clancy Brown. Right. Because of his son. I know, but also that just means he's going to end up killing Clancy Brown at some point. And I'm going to be really upset about that because Clancy <laughs> well, Brown dies all the time and stuff. And like that just needs to stop happening. You know he's responsible for the missing girls. You think it's him? Well, I mean, well, I mean, not necessarily. I, mean, I think he probably has something to do with it. Yeah, he might. Because Dexter doesn't kill people no. unless they've done something wrong. I don't think he, yeah, I don't think Dexter is doing the mix, missing girls for sure. Mm. No, I know, but he's going to kill whoever is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you meant gonna, you yeah. meant you think Clancy Brown is. Yeah, is the that's one. what I meant. That's what, Yeah, Clancy Brown is responsible for the. I mean, he could be. I mean, if his son is like that, it makes sense. That feels like a little bit too... It's too easy. Why is it like, all in yeah, the family? Like, yeah. I feel like it's going to be someone else who maybe is a little bit less or a little more surprising that it, that they're evil. Yeah. Like, maybe it's, yeah, it's one of the cops or it's mm. one of the, somebody mm. who works at that shelter or... Because mm. um, I feel like at some point... Dexter's going to need to take out somebody that he formerly got along with. Right. Oh, it's going to be his boss, too. Oh, you just know that guy's trouble. Because he's too good to be true. Like the nice guy and the puppy. and oh, he's Who funny. owns a gun store, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I'm a little worried about the boss. I'm also a little worried about the the girlfriend. Oh, no, I love her. I love her, and that's why I kind of want her to be evil. Oh, no, 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 I mean, I, Rita wasn't evil, and but the rest of his girlfriends were. Rita was boring. She was so boring. She was so boring. It was like just watching Polenta act. Yes. Oh, so boring. And so that's what I don't remember. Was Harrison actually his son, or was Harrison her kid and he just sort of adopted? I, yeah, it was his son. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, and Harrison's back. And Harry, yeah. And um, I'm going to live with Dexter, and you wonder if uh, this is a way to build to the next generation, but I think if it were, they would have cast somebody with uh, more of a presence than the kid they got. He's fine, but he doesn't have, like, a presence. Well, maybe he will. Yeah, we haven't really... Maybe we'll get there. He hasn't done much yet. Like, I wouldn't have thought the kid from Bates Motel would have had the Anthony Perkins energy, but, like, he pulled it Mm -hmm. off. Well, I mean, we're only one episode in, and I'm already like, oh, I really want another season of this. (laughs) I don't know. I love the show for some reason. I don't know why. I love Clancy Brown. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I have more questions. Uh, (laughs) Well, so here's the weird thing. Is it, like, watching it... So I had, I had never, because I had never seen it, I had kind of built it up in my head as like, oh yeah, the serial killer show. And watching it, I was kind of um, underwhelmed is not the right word, because it was, it was good. Like I was, I, I enjoyed it, I was entertained, but I was, I was very whelmed. I was like, <laughs> oh, this show is way more normal than I thought. Like, somehow in my brain, I had gotten it twisted up that, like, oh, this is a weird show, or, like, well, maybe structurally it'd be strange, or, or whatever. <laughs> but, like, it's fun, function, well, yes, I should have, that should have been my first clue. <laughs> but, 
but but like I don't know why, but in my head I had built it up as like this show that was like really weird and specific, and like I watching it, I was like, oh no, it's just a solid show where the hero happens to be a serial killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I think it is different. I think that what made it weirder before was that there was so much, he was putting so much energy into making sure that the person he wanted to kill was worthy of being killed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there, it like that kind of made it interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, where that, and I think that will, it will, the show will turn into that. But so far it was just sort of like, yeah, it was kind of norm core. And then he was like, Oh, finally I can just like kill this guy. (laughs) Like, so there wasn't the buildup that made it kind of intense and weird. And like, um, also, in the beginning, like, anti-heroes were still not much of a thing. There was, like, um, um, Sopranos, but that was, like, it mm-hmm. until yeah. Dexter came along. So it was, like, a big deal in that way. Like, you're okay. rooting for the bad guy. Right. But it was also, like, he was very much bad. Like, it was literally, like, so the whole thing with, like, his stepfather, yeah, like, his adoptive father was a cop, and the, and he, like, realized that Dexter... Um, was a psychopath like very early on mm-hmm. and so he started training the kid using his cop background to train Dexter how to get away with murder mm-hmm. and so he literally like created this perfect monster where he's like I know you're gonna kill because you can't help it but if you just kill killers like eh, like at least you know <laughs> Right. It's better than, you know, being being one of them kind of right, thing. Right. So you're putting your power toward it. So he, um, so that's why, like, Dexter always had all these, like, codes that he followed and rules that he lived by. And that's why, like, um, but it also, it was essentially an addiction. Right. Like, um, so you're seeing again. someone, yeah, fall off a wagon. It is incredible. It's just so strange watching, uh, watching it again and to see how similar you is the netflix show yeah oh yeah yeah really i mean very very similar it's just not built around sex and love or whatever right but the i mean they have the exact same sort of like mo's and and it's crazy um actually can i do a segue yes yes because basically one thing i noticed um uh, so i wanted to talk about yellow jackets um, but kind of coasting off of what Dan said, which is that, you know, Dexter is really surprisingly normal, all things considered. Um, Yellow Jackets makes Dexter New Blood look like Mr. Ed. Oh, no. It's, oh, wait. Is it, <laughs> is it weird or is it just awesomely violent? Uh, kind of both, but not in a weird, not in a way. It's not weird in a way that I think you will find off-putting. Oh, good, good. Um, and this so is you, the new Showtime show. This is yeah. This is the other new Showtime show, and I'm talking about it a little early. Um, it premieres on the 14th. Okay. But if you go to like Showtime.com or it might be on YouTube too, like the the first episode is available for free. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get people get attention to it, and it deserves it. Uh, the show, the pilot, the premiere episode is directed by Karen Kasama. Um, mm-hmm. The creators of it are the ones who did. Uh, oh God. What was that show that we really liked last year? Um, Dispatches from Elsewhere. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, Yeah, it's like Ashley Lyle and uh, um, Bart Nickerson. 
so they did de uh, they've done like narcos and stuff like that but they also did uh dispatches from elsewhere um and it stars dustin's favorite person melanie linsky oh yes and, and she's yeah she's the main character but so the do you guys know anything about the premise no uh i do not okay do you mind can i just give you like the yes. general setup okay sure so it is about a girls soccer team in 1996 they're in new jersey and they have gotten into they've won the state championship so they're going to internationals um so like a bunch of high school girls and they are flying to wherever nationals are um and the plane crashes and so the show takes place both in 1996 and at least the premiere takes place in the the days leading up to their them getting on the plane for this trip um and then also in the present so you're seeing like some of those girls as adults uh -huh. and so you're starting uh -huh. to put together the dots of like who who you haven't met yet and what might have happened to them um but basically uh the implications are that uh the plane goes down and you, you hear somebody mention that like they they were missing for 19 months and you're getting flashes oh. of these girls wearing like you know animal skins and stuff in the woods and uh they clearly became cannibals oh. like they like they clearly uh. sort of formed some sort of weird religion totally into uh, this. yeah yeah it's screwed up like the first the opening scene of the show is a girl running through the snow and she falls into a trap that's just you know sharpened sticks in a hole and she dies and then they clearly like drag her body out yes. and and eat her <laughs> but but because they're all wearing like these elaborate kind of costumes you can't see who anyone is yet so you don't know who is the ringleader who has like convinced this group to do this like um but you you know a couple of them you, you start to at least because a lot of the those are just like flashes so you're still putting the show is going to get to the stuff that happens after the crash but the premiere is mostly centered on yeah like the getting to know the girls while they're still like in in high school and everything's normal and getting to know a couple of them as adults um so you know melanie linsky uh christina ricci pops up at the oh. end and mm. she's like a she's a really you saw her as a teenager long before you saw her see her as an adult and she's creepy as hell um, so she's not right in the head. And then you see, uh, oh God, um, who is the, uh, oh, Juliette Lewis as Juliette, like the punk yes. girl. Yeah. So, um, well, I have an important question. Yes. Um, if I don't like soccer, will I dislike the show? It, I mean, after the, <laughs> after the premiere episode, it doesn't matter. And you watch Ted Lasso. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> It will not, yeah, it will not distract you. Um, but it's, you know, so there's like some soapy elements, like one oh, girl yeah. was clearly cheating on her best friend's, like sleeping with her best friend's boyfriend. So there's like some secrets among them. Another girl um, uh, was trying to get a, a girl like more to kind of toughen up. <laughs> and so, but then she accidentally like hit her on the playing field and the girl's like femur broke. Oh, and so that was like before the mountain. So like that you, you start to get a little sense of all of their personalities before the crash. And so now you just now it's like the mystery for the season is how many of them 
who survived and who who because like right now it's like i know i can tell you that like these four girls survived Mm -hmm. i don't know if anyone else did or how they died and like right and then the other thing is that um a woman has shown up and she's trying to uh interview them or write a book and they're all saying no and so basically this one one girl named uh taisa who's played by tani cypress she's running for i think state senate and like obviously this was a huge news story so people knew about it but all the survivors kind of kept their lips shut they were just like we were lost and we were and we somehow managed to survive and we're very happy to be rescued and that's all they've kind of like maintained that party line like none of them have given the details of what happened but somebody's sniffing and so now they're starting to like get back in touch with each other because it's like look you know (laughs) you're in politics you're i'm seeing you on the news if you're getting attention that's going to put spotlight on all of us so like and if any of obviously if what we did up there comes out (laughs) like all of our lives are destroyed so right um, yeah, it's it sounds like interesting. a show that's going to be like have an amazing first season and then go to shit in the second season. I like I don't know how it would continue past a first season, and I don't know if it can sustain the and first Showtime, season. Even. Showtime doesn't care; they will right, die. yeah. But as a first episode, it's so much fun. You're just like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just all just great women that you want to see go nuts. <laughs> Um, and it's especially wonderful because it's like Melanie Linsky and as you're watching it and you start realizing like she's like playing this kind of suburban housewife and it's like, oh shit, you ate your friends <laughs> on a mountaintop. <laughs> like you are capable of some stuff. So anyway, I mostly just wanted to say like I think everyone should give it a shot. Um, it'll premiere, but if you're bored this week, you can just watch it for free on Showtime.com. Cool. Yellow jackets. I'm gonna watch that tomorrow. <laughs> it is crazier than Dexter, so maybe Dan will be satisfied with it. Okay. Well, I do want to. Uh, I, I honestly, I did not know much about it um, when you uh, said you wanted to talk about it, but now I'm much more excited for it. Um, it's the soccer, isn't it? It, it, it is the it, soccer. Yeah. Well, Dustin, uh, real fans like to call it football. Exactly. You know, uh, football. <laughs> uh, it's life. Yeah. Uh, but uh, here, here's a question Does, do you think that this show is crazier than uh, Dustin's favorite show La Brea <laughs> I think that's really uh, has anyone eaten anyone else on La Brea mm. yet not yet and I you really hope that they get there Right? I think La Brea has the possibility. And I I will say, um, so far, Yellow Jackets has had a stunning lack of um, uh, dubious science sinkholes, let's say. So, you know, you you win Uh, some, you lose some. Well, we do have to do this officially, so uh, just to go, not to rush the intro, but uh, it's time once again for our, our award eligible segment into the sinkhole plunk with dustin uh where dustin tells us all about uh the uh the greatest show on the national brad broadcasting corporation uh since at least uh manifest all right well no i'm 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 going 
beyond manifest. I'm just saying it might be, might be, maybe it's bigger than manifest. Is that possible? Um, oh. Is it, is it like, uh, like, uh, oh shoot, no, that was on Fox. What was the <laughs> Spielberg one with dinosaurs? <laughs> oh, uh, I do was, not remember. Anyway, that didn't last very um, long, did it? It did not last very long. Not like, not like uh, LeBray. No, LeBray is going to run for years. Going to go for years and years. Actually, speaking of, Dustin, how yes. early into Manifest did you realize you didn't like it? Like, were you with it for the first few episodes? Like, did you, no, you kind of like positive on it until it? The first episode was um, bad, but in a intriguing way. And then the second episode was shit. And it just maintained that level. It probably got a little better. But that, that first season was just horrible. And then, no, the second season was worse. The third season, they s- wasn't as bad. But really, the second episode is just genuinely terrible. So La Brea is actually already doing better. Yes. Yes. Although, it's, it's, it's just not... On some weeks, it's, it, I miss the Manifest energy. And credit to Manifest. They would just make up shit and do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And there was kind of, I mean, Manifest was unpredictable. It had that going for it. It was bad, but it was unpredictable. Uh, uh, so this week on La Brea, uh, Gavin um, was about to go down into the uh, sinkhole in his drone. Clonk. Uh, exactly. And, um, uh, but before he can, uh, suddenly uh, uh, Levi, who is... Um, uh, down the 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 um the Mister Eve uh, Natalie Z's uh, uh, affair the guy she had an affair with right his his former right. best friend slash who cheated on right so he had yeah. flown down in the drone before and it crashed uh, but uh, they were able to radio uh, the one of the women who had crashed in the Mojave Desert uh, exploratory thing and they found her playing with her. And uh, they were able to take the two planes and basically repair uh, Levi's plane. And they decide, okay, well, this is fixed. We're going to go back up to the scene call. And um, at that at that moment, uh, Gavin, uh, in the present day, they find um, Levi's drone had uh, in in the La Brea remains, and it, there's also corpses around it. I don't know how this works, but, you know, science, whatever. They figure there's a lot of dead bodies, the drone, so they're like, oh, shit. They tried to fly the drone up, and they didn't make it, and they all died. So Gavin decides he's got to get a note to his wife. So he sends a video message in, like, a, 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 an unmanned drone into the sinkhole, and uh, so she... Uh, opens it up and, and sees that and she's like don't go on the plane don't take it up because you're going to die because we know you're going to die because we see your plane up here and uh-huh. dead buddies uh, so she tries to talk everybody out of taking the trip and the other people are like fuck you we're going to do it anyway uh, there's a standoff blah 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 uh, <laughs> a woman gets killed the plane gets blown up so they don't go uh, and then Gavin was supposed to come and rescue them uh, but before you can get to the sinkhole, um, 
the feds are like, we will shoot you down before you do that. And he wusses out and pulls up and doesn't go down. And then the sinkhole closes. But. Oh. Uh, before the sinkhole closes, Rebecca Aldridge, who's, uh, whose fiance was killed. I don't know if it was her fiance, actually. It, she is. She knows about the first, the Mojave Desert people. She jumped out of the drone, Gavin's drone, in a parachute before he decides not to go in. I think that she might have jumped into the sinkhole, but uh, the, the episode ended maybe on a cliffhanger. I'm not sure. <gasps> she actually did jump into the sinkhole before it closed up. Either way, she told Gavin, there's another way. You have to go back to the beginning, November 18th or November 11th, 1988. So that's the next clue. Something what? happened on November 11th, 1988 that will um, help them figure out how to get back, even though the uh, sinkhole has closed. Wait, who, sorry, who is that woman that you just named? Rebecca, whatever. Aldridge. Who is she in relation to everybody else? She was a scientist who sent uh, an exploratory uh, people, uh, like a group of people, into the Mojave Desert sinkhole. Okay, so she's she's affiliated with that team. Yes. Okay. But and she'd been helping out on you know the sinkhole. Got it. So are am I alone in hoping that the sinkhole closed on her? And so, like, her legs oh, landed in the past, but, like, <laughs> oh, no. her torso is still in the hole. Oh, no. Because, like, I feel like if you're going to do, because that's always a possibility. Like, that was some danger whenever they would do transporters or anything like that, is that mm-hmm. you get, like, spliced in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, does that make me a bad person? Like, I, I that I'm hoping that I this network drama it, that. it feels like the, the way that you would you would need to do it in a way, ideally, where, like, she she doesn't die like so let's just say for example like just her feet are gone so she lives and then they rescue her and then they find her feet in the in the, or the like carpet it, it closes but like just cuts off her parachute so she falls into because i'm trying to think of like because literally the the angle that you'd be entering if she's parachuting mm-hmm. i don't think it can close on her feet Oh, right. Well, also, because the people who fell still survived somehow. Like, they landed oh. and, like, were living. Right, so they, they were fine. Um, or what if um, they think that it closed, but her body is wedging it open? We uh, don't know the science of this thing. That's true. So she's just kind of, like, stuck there? Like, you know when sometimes when it's, like, um, like Winnie the Pooh getting stuck trying to get honey? Or did that happen? Yeah. Probably, yeah, yes. classic Winnie Probably. the Pooh. Right, so it's that she's just kind of hanging there, and they got to try and shove her down or pick her up, but she's she's holding it open. And she says, "Oh bother, oh bother." Yeah, and they they have to actually like dump honey on her so she's slick <laughs> enough to like slide down. Um, I really just want to cover. Oh man, I don't know if I hope she gets cut in half or covered in honey. <laughs> Do you think the sloth would like a person who's covered in honey? Oh. I have a, a, a quick question Maybe. for you, Dan. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I thought 
so, so I know that some shows you uh, you know write all the episodes and you take most of them before it even goes on the air. But I I have a feeling that this is a show that's being uh, shot and, and and put together on the fly. Mm-hmm. Not on the fly, you know. They're right. You mean like as a like on average, most network shows you're you're doing both at the same time. Like you're filming as the writing is progressing. Right, and so um, my question is, how far in advance would you expect them to start listening to like the audience? Oh well, probably never. Um, Do you but, really think that on a show like this that they wouldn't? Well, I, in in this case, I mean, I don't know what their schedule is, but I feel like they, I think they filmed the whole thing. Oh, did before, they before before it aired? Yeah, because I feel like they. I think they filmed like oh, earlier yeah, this year, and filming. also because I mean, you know, they they have a, there are a lot of visual effects. There's a lot of stuff like that that kind of has to be worked in, and I mean, all that takes time, right? So, um, Dustin, are you asking how long, how soon they would factor in <laughs> audience comments, or how soon mm. they would factor in your comments? Yes, yes, <laughs> like, <of> I, <laughs> I, I think I think you your. Uh, well, look, Dustin, it's a lock for a season two, and so because you you are the kingmaker, right? And so it it's my guess is that they will uh, they will only you'll you'll only be able to affect season two, okay, all right. going forward. Um, but I'm just, sure they'll, they'll print your... out all of your recaps and hand them out in the writers' yes, room. I should hope so. <laughs> It'll be in like a binder, like everyone gets a binder. Mm-hmm. I'm reading here that the effects heavy production spent $71 million in Australia, the most expensive TV production uh, in Victoria uh, since HBO's The Pacific, and I don't, I don't see that. Um, yeah, they still haven't even done a woolly mammoth. Exactly. <laughs> well, they had to build the whole, the, the, the other's the village. And the whole. <laughs> um, oh, wait, that reminds me, I had a question. Okay, so they, so they found the Mojave people. Right. In, in, in the past, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Uh, was it only like the one pilot or were there more people? Did we learn the fate of anyone else on the team if there were we other people on the team? We have not, well, we know the fate of two. One of them was the dead body we saw uh, in the week before this episode. And the other okay. one was this woman. So we don't know what happened to the rest of them. Okay, so, so so far we've only learned about two of them. Right, and they're both dead now. Oh. Oh, right, because the thing blew up. Right. Okay. Uh, so the other, the village of others were not the Mojave people. No. Okay. Because um, they killed the other guy, yeah. Right. Uh, where, where, where are they with heroin? Are they still... Oh, Still oh, worried oh, about oh, oh. it? No, no, this is a, a fun thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, heroin guy is like, uh, we're about to go back up, and I need my heroin now. So <laughs> let's fucking find it. Uh, the sloth was eating it. And, and the stoner guy is like, okay, I don't remember where it is, so I'm going to get stoned, and maybe that will um, you know, trigger my memory. And so he gets stoned, and they go back out into the woods looking for it, and they start digging up holes. And the thing is, they don't find the heroin. They found a treasure chest full of Civil War gold. <laughs> what? 
gold from <laughs> Civil like, War. A okay. trunk full of gold from 1862. Mm, okay. Are they happy with that, or are they still oh, yeah, upset yeah, yeah. that they heroin don't have guy, it? Heroin guy is like, oh my god, I'm rich. And I'm like, you're fucking 10,000 BC. It doesn't do you any good, but whatever. Again, the heroin is actually worth more exactly. in case anyone gets injured. Right. But <laughs> So that's another mystery. Is like, how did Civil War gold get into 10,000 BC? So there's Civil War gold, but they have not found the heroin. No. Okay. Um, and who who died in the in the uh, the drone being destroyed? Anyone we care about or? Well, let's see, the drone didn't get destroyed because they didn't fly it. Oh, oh, I mean, before the drone got destroyed. No, no, no. The the woman from the explorer told. Oh, me. she's the one who got killed. Right. Oh, okay, but she's the only. The one. cop shot her. Oh. And then, she like got off, shot her, and then she shot back, and her bullet went into the plane and it exploded. Because that's how. Like in like an eighties car. Yes. In an eighties <laughs> movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And before you ask, I just want to put this out there. No, there were no aliens in Invasion this week. I was literally <laughs> just about to ask you that. <laughs> Have they revealed anything about? Have they said the word invasion? Have they said no. the word alien? <laughs> Uh, I don't think they've said the word alien, but the um, the astronaut people are starting to suspect there's something like that going on. Whatever. Okay. Like else... aliens or like. Well. Russians. Oh wait, they picked up no. They picked up like a language that was being spoken on the uh, their um, whatever spaceship before it blew up and they're like oh my god that's a language and it's not ours and it's it's foreign it's like foreign to earth I mean I'm just saying with like I feel like maybe that's something you can do with natural language processing like you can maybe make up a a coded language that then needs to be decrypted possibly I don't know, but it's in space, so I think they're just... They haven't, you know, firmly come to that conclusion yet, but they're like... Right. "Uh, uh." They're still dancing around whether it's aliens. Okay. We'll keep us posted. All right. right. (laughs) That was your Invasion Watch uh, and Into the Sinkhole blog with (laughs) Dustin. Uh, Let's go to a show that definitely has aliens. So many aliens. Um, so many aliens. Uh, it's time for Doctor Who, which we did not talk about last week. Uh, and Tori and Dustin have definitely watched. So two out of three is not bad. Yeah, we wanted to wait until we saw more than the first episode because it would be really hard to talk about just the first episode because <laughs> it made no sense. Well, I mean, the second episode didn't really help. <gasps> no, but I think it, it it's... Kind of. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Look. I think it's it's setting up. So the whole thing is that this is season 13 is what, like six episodes? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Flux. And so they're doing what classic Doctor Who used to do, which was that each episode wasn't self-contained, but it wasn't like there was a, necessarily a season-long story arc, which modern Who has kind of danced around, where, like, you know, everything will be building to a big conclusion, but it'll be peppered at, throughout, you know, individual episodes. Um, classic who used to just do anywhere from three to you know ten episode stories 
would be one contains one story that really you know was just broken into these installments and you might have multiple of them in a season um and so flux is kind of reflecting that but it means that it's really hard on any given episode to talk about what's going on because they're also throwing a lot of new stuff in there that they haven't explained yet because they're kind of doing the doctor who thing where it's just like you know run away run away right. like we'll explain it later <laughs> and so there's like dangers coming from all sides new alien races old alien races time hijinks uh you know companions are getting lost in time and space and you know we still have no idea what's going on except the sen wait okay so the centaurans that's the names the Santarans, yeah. Santarans. They're, they're basically invading Earth in several different timelines. So that's what's revealed in the second episode, but they're just taking advantage of the confusion caused by um, what seems to be the big bad, which is the flux. And we don't really know what the flux is other than um, an end of the universe uh, causing cloud of energy that is not the same as the doctor's like time travel vortex energy it's something else so that is sweeping through and um there's another there's a new alien race um and i do not remember what they're called but they're dog people oh yeah yeah, yeah. and they're supposed to protect humans and each each member of this new dog race is like tasked with protecting an individual human and so the doctor convinces them to like take their ships and form kind of a barrier around the earth to keep the flux from uh, destroying it because the flux is literally just like rolling through the solar system and eating planets along the way and uh, in doing so um, like right before they kind of locked ships it, it's very similar to what like Nova did in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies um, right before they like fully locked the Suntarans got through and so they were like able to mess around on Earth, um, kind of while everyone was looking outward. So Doctor just put a stop to that. Uh, but now there is this other group of bad guys. Um, I think they're called like the Ravagers or something, or like. Sh but one of them is like Shard. So these guys look like straight up old school villains. Yeah. Like they've they've got makeup, but they've also just got like cravats and like crazy costumes and lots of glitter on their faces. Um, and they're wonderful. Um, <laughs> and they kind of just like touch people and they disintegrate. Oh, I think they're called Swarm. I don't know, whatever. Um, and so they are trying to get to, there's a planet called Time. And there's some sort of temple there. And Yaz is there with Grey Worm from, uh, from Game of Thrones. Wait, what? That's Grey Worm? Yeah. It is? That was Grey Worm, yeah. He was oh, the shit. one who was on that space station and then yeah, he gets... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... I, what? Yeah. Huh. I didn't put that together at all. He's very handsome. He is. Um, yeah, so he and Yaz are there and the doctor just got there with Dan. Uh... Yeah, and so they're, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the plan is, but these three bad guys are screwing around with this temple, and I don't know how it's tied to the Flux, but also they seem to have some history with the Doctor, but she doesn't have any memory of it because they erased her memory. Mm -hmm. So 
this is all going to somehow reveal a whole bunch about the doctor somehow but none of it we still do not know how everything connects it's all very confusing but it's confusing in a way that like and i think this is something that's i'm still kind of struggling with with the the chibnall area era as opposed to like the moffat doctor who which was like moffat doctor who would get very complicated and while his his when how he would resolve it wouldn't necessarily always make perfect sense um but it, would, it was confident in the way that right it would sort of assume like oh no 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 i just completely closed the loop on this and like explained everything and it's perfect and you could you could still poke holes in it but you could kind of respect the fact that like you know the confidence with which it was executed whereas the chibnall stuff it's like it it feels like it's really trying to do the the too clever Doctor Who writing, um, but it itself doesn't quite know how it's all going to add up or what it's leading to. Um, <laughs> that might have been my husband, or that might have been my cat. I'm Damn it, sure. Juan! <laughs> you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it all, like, comes to a satisfying conclusion. Um, and I'm still down for the ride because I like that it's just so completely bizarre and the kind of throwback nature of it. But I don't, I couldn't, I still couldn't really tell you what's actually, where yeah, it's going. I, I it, it in, each episode ends in a way that you, like, really want to see the next episode. But watching the episode is like, eh. Yeah, like, okay. <sighs> Like, oh, and the, the, even the way things get resolved, like there were always these, these epiphany moments where it's like the doctor solves something and here it's just sort of like, there was never an epiphany moment. It's like something just blows up and the doctor's like, cool. <laughs> like, Run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway. I cannot believe that's Grey Worm. That, yes, it's Grey Worm. <laughs> that is crazy. I'm looking at the pictures and I'm looking at them side by side and I, it's, it's still hard to believe it's the same guy. Facial hair. <laughs> Makes a big difference, folks. Yes, it does. So uh, that's Doctor Who. Uh, so it'll be on for another, like, four weeks. Wait, that's oh, it? It's just a six-week arc. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, you think she'll die at the end of it, or will they hold that for the anniversary, like, the anniversary special? The anniversary special? You mean the Christmas no, no, I think I they're doing an anniversary, like the... Their anniversary would have been, it would be this month. So I don't think it, what anniversary, I don't know. I, I should probably look another. it up. They might be doing another, yeah, like goodbye arc or New Year's mm. arc or whatever. Um, but yeah, I thought this was her last season, essentially. And it just happens to be all one story. Yeah, well, yeah, she's probably going to die at the end. And they'll introduce the new one. And but I imagine that's why it's, you know, there. there's some mystery about her past that she doesn't oh, remember. The 60th anniversary is in 2023, which is when um, uh, Russell T. Davis takes episodes, over. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah, they'll probably kill her off before then. Regenerate. Sorry, but does yeah. that mean they would... Because normally when there's a regeneration, they reveal who the next doctor is. 
So do you think, are you saying you think this will end in a regeneration or they're going to oh, save that no, no. until... They'll save that. Yeah, because I don't think he's gotten far enough along to, like, cast. No, no. Did they reveal the the new Doctor when Tenet regenerated? Matt Smith? Yeah. I think so? Yeah. I don't know why I don't remember. I'm trying to think. Maybe they didn't. Maybe that was... So, so Smith's first episode was the eleventh hour, and I know he spends the first chunk of it in the tenant costume. I can't remember if you actually see him mm-hmm. at the end of the last tenant one. Right. Yeah, I don't remember either. I don't recall that because they did when they went from Smith to Capaldi. They did like they, but he had already been announced and he had already been in like the anniversary special, just like his eyes. But yeah, um, oh, that was so good. That was really good. Um, Am I I right in remembering that Amy Pond and Matt Smith were introduced at the same time? Yes, they were. Yeah, 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 literally, it was the eleventh hour. Okay. Yeah, because his his opening arc is like him visiting her as a little girl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And I think when Eccleston turns into Tenant, you see that again, like that one you did see because I remember that being like cause, because I didn't watch the old one, um, so that was like my first Doctor Who regeneration. I'm like, oh my god, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting because there's going to be such a production gap, um, like how they'll do it. But part of me thinks that they must have at least shown a glimpse of Matt Smith. Because they usually make that the, like, it's like they start changing and then you get, like, one shot of the new Doctor and that's when the credits were. Like, you don't really, they have time to say, like, one little thing and then that's it. Wait, did they show, this is now how bad my memory is, but did they show, what's her name, when Capaldi regenerated? I think so, yeah. They did, right? Yeah. I, okay. Vaguely remember. My brain is uh, soft and spongy now. Oh, mine too. Yeah. Well, and it's like weird because I've I've watched them all, but like the they kind of they tend to bleed together. So right. It's like I can remember scenes, but I can't necessarily remember like this episode ended here and then this one started here. Right. Like, I'm like yeah, they regenerated. Like what? <laughs> Indeed. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. What we, got, what we got left, Dan? Uh, what we've got left is Succession. What is if there to say about to... this week? I, mean, I don't know. Succession's yeah. like a, it's, a, it's a hard show to talk about. You just kind of admire it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you had the scene between Tom and Greg. which was Yeah, where Greg finally stood up for himself. Yes. but My God, that was a good scene. But also Tom talking about castration and God, yes. why Tom and, and Tom and Shiv are just Shiv is terrible. Oh I God. still really I like her as like she's a great character to watch, but God, their marriage is just awful. She was oh my God, so attractive this week. <laughs> she I'm was sorry. very she was very attractive. She's un uncomfortably wow. gorgeous. And when she's like a just Hostile? Oh, God. 
Oh, her. So, with so the, Dustin with the understands. Anchor? Dustin understands the Tom Ship relationship in that he would like to be Tom. Probably yes. <laughs> what I didn't buy though, so this was something when um, when Tom was talking about how like like suddenly piping up as though he doesn't like the idea that Shiv is his boss or like answering to her or, like when he kept mentioning like well if there's like an org chart and you're like above me. And I'm like, I thought your entire relationship yeah, was predicated was, on yeah. you being dominated by her. Like, right. I thought that was, like, part of what you were into. <laughs> like, where is this all coming from? Yeah, that was uh, a little, I don't know, I think just the prisoner stuff is getting to him, even though he volunteered for it. Uh, and Jerry's dating, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did like that, that the, um, that runner in particular ended with like a little like lesson of like no here's how you keep your power um like you know she she convinced roman to, to yeah. keep his dirt um for potential future use yeah um, what messed up dirt that was yeah <laughs> getting oh, someone to tattoo initials on their forehead yeah um, um adrian brody i thought was great he was he was very very entertaining Kind of a bummer. He's only there for like an episode. Is that it? Uh, maybe he'll come back, but he—I mean—he's just kind of like random shareholder. That's true, but we did see him at the end hugging Stewie, right? So yeah. I bet he'll—I bet he's going to be in more than one. It'll probably be like James Cromwell here. He pops up like once or twice a season. Yeah. Um. The I liked the rabbit. <laughs> Big rabbit fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, uh, I really enjoyed the, uh, the, the whole, the whole sequence on, uh, with Adrian Brody's character kind of like at his house and I don't know, whatever chunk of whatever Island that is that he owns. Um, but like the fact that when, uh, so, so it's Kendall and, uh, Logan have to do a dance for him and to try to convince him not to you know, turn on them and, uh, vote with, uh, Stewie. Um, but, uh, I just love that, like, you know, the, the, it's so uncomfortable and there's so much tension and especially between Kendall and Logan, but then you also get to when Logan is trying to sell and like, he's so convincing <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, it doesn't work, but like, just like he sounds so genuine, uh, because Brian Cox is amazing. So good. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And it's like Kendall gets to hear everything he wanted to hear, but it's he knows it's even if he believes it, he also knows that it's it's bullshit trying to sell this, right? Right. Um, and it also kind of there's the inverse of it when after you know as Logan is like, you know, kind of collapses on the walk. Mhm. And they kind of stop and you know, Kendall has been worried about him the entire walk, but also frustrated because Logan is pushing through rather than asking for help. Right. Um, but then, like, when he collapses and Adrian Brody's character is, like, you know, trying to get the cart and the doctor and everything. And and you see Kendall try to step in and salvage the situation mm-hmm. the way he imagines his dad would want him to. Mm-hmm. But it makes him look callous. Right. And so Adrian Brody, you know, he's like, why don't you just worry about your dad right now? Right. Rather than trying to continue, like, smoothing things over with me. Right. And it, and it's true, 
but you also kind of look at Kendall and it's like, yeah, he, this is what he's always stuck in. Like people don't understand what his dad would expect from him. And he is, he is in doing that just trying to do what his dad would want even then. And it is still self-serving because like this episode is kind of really laying bare the idea that like, you know, getting rid of Logan isn't enough if the family doesn't maintain control of the company. Right, like right. Kendall might be burning all of it to the ground and he may end up with nothing too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Kendall also needs to make sure that they side with the family. Right. But, um, I don't know. Just one small question. Do you, I, it's not this kind of show and I don't know why I keep trying to make it into that, but is there any way that, uh, um, Logan's, um, like, whatever, his, uh, his break meltdown, whatever, was that made up? Because Frank, before he went out there, says, like, you know, something like, uh, is the plan in motion? So what was the plan if it wasn't for him to, like, do that? Oh, I thought, I don't, I thought the plan was just to get kendall and and work i don't know Hmm. but i don't think i don't think i don't think logan would ever pretend to be weak in that way commit to a plan that makes him look weak even if it's because he's got he's got too much ego Mm -hmm. even if it made his son look bad i don't think that yeah because it i mean it wouldn't make any sense because this hurts both of them Right. right. And the weird thing is that even though even though, you know, the all the characters on the show are constantly lying and backstabbing each other, the show's vocabulary has always been very straightforward yeah. in terms of like when they're showing you something, it's it's not like, oh, we're pulling one over on the audience. It's like, no, you're seeing their genuine move because we also showed you them lying to someone else. Like but like explained it. It wasn't like, oh, you know, here's what really happened. Yeah. Um there have so, been a couple times where I've thought the show was trying to do something kind of secretive, you know, where like I start, I, I tried to think ahead and it's like, oh, I bet the like person who's paying for this and it's actually going to be this character and like none of it matters. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is interesting the way the show, like they're going to show you exactly the things that matter and there will be events that take place where it's like, you know, a witness is getting money to like come forward and like, maybe no maybe they never reveal who paid them because it right. ultimately is like a distraction like it's right. about the family's reaction it's not necessarily like it's not the show like you said yeah the show is not trying to trick you yeah um and i don't and i don't think i think the through line with logan is like he i mean all of this like back to season one is like you know he had that stroke mm-hmm and he still couldn't give up the company. Like, that right. was his time to give it up, and he couldn't. Like, he can't look weak. Mm-hmm. I am impressed with the way the show basically creates another sort of language to talk about essentially mergers and acquisitions, which is not a interesting topic. If you're going to, I mean, the way actual people would speak about this would not be the way they speak about it. Right. But it's like brilliant. They just make up this other sort of 
either. They talk about it in a way that we can relate to, even though it's about things that we can't really... Right. Yeah. Are, are you talking about, like, I mean, here, I don't know if, if this is exactly right, but, like, um, like one line that stuck out to me this week was, like, when Logan tells Shiv, uh, oh, I want you on Firewatch. Yeah, stuff like we, that. Which is, which is, like, a term that... I, I mean, I have no idea if that makes sense or not within the, the realm of uh, business, but it evokes exactly what... Exactly, like, yeah. Like, you understand it even if you don't know anything about business, like I don't. Um, but you get like, oh, okay, I understand what he's asking her to do. Um, and, yes. And, and it also, like, visually evokes kind of like what, you're, what you want to think and feel. But I also wonder if the writers know much about business. I'm sure at a minimum they have, like, I mean, they have consultants. Sure, days, yeah. So. They just don't talk about, like, business. They they just use bluster and, and, and right. profanity and buzzwords. And it just, it's really compelling. Well, I think that's, that is one of the conceits that the show does so well is, like, how, by focusing on this kind of family dynastic rule of a, of a corporation... And how ill-equipped all of these children are to take it over. And so, like, even Kendall, like, when Kendall is in salesman mode or, you know, like, he, he falls back on these buzzwords that you can tell he doesn't understand. He's yes. like, I just need to, com- uh, I need to communicate that I have a vision that is different from my father. So I'm just going to, like, spew buzzwords that I just read in like Business Insider or something right, like that. Right. <laughs> like, there's no depth to it. And the show isn't trying to explain it. It is literally like the act of him doing that signals something very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true of each of them. Like there are, you know, as much as we may enjoy the characters and talk about who deserves what, when, like none of them are worthy of the roles that they've been given. And we're seeing that play out with Connor negotiating right. for a job. Whereas he wants something important. She's like, well, what if we gave you a show on one of our lifetime lifestyle <laughs> networks? And like, you can go on like a wine tasting. <laughs> um, like, and even Tom, it's like Tom, Greg, like they're, Buffoons. they are the, well, they are the more normal characters, like, you know, of more humble upbringing, and they certainly, but, like, they are jumping up to roles that they were not, that they got because of their relation to the family. Right. So. Molly, uh, my wife, was watching uh, the uh, Matthew McFadden uh, Pride and Prejudice this weekend, and just, and then watched the session with me, and was just like, oh my god. Yeah. Just so, he's really, a really good actor. But it's weird because the combination of those two roles makes it harder for me to take either of them seriously. And that's not a knock on him as an actor. It's just like the juxtaposition makes me really uncomfortable. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just, it's just really hard for me. Um, But yeah, I do think like that's, I think they probably have some um, business consultants, but I, I think that they have an out built in, which is that the family isn't even that good at business. <laughs> right. right. Um, and I think we're seeing that with the FBI probe and how quickly that sort of like has crumbled into nothing. And I know their legal woes and their their the government investigation is not over. But 
the way that the particulars of that are not being explored like yeah exactly yeah like they, they don't, don't i don't know if it's because they don't know the the creators don't really know how that would play out or if it's just sort of like we're not gonna that's other people's problems we're just gonna focus on like the family's reaction right it's like a sexual harassment scandal in the theme parks which would not i don't think create this level of destruction normally well, but I think, and that's part of what the show has established, is, like, the precarious position the corporation was in because of the previous seasons. Right. Like, I mean, you see the way it was handled in the first season where it's, like, Tom gets the job, finds out this is a thing, makes Greg shred the documents. Like, you kind of know it's always going to come back, but it very much is treated as something that's, like, if no one knows, we're fine. It's, like, this is just standard operating procedure like their companies have dirt like this and we're just gonna like sweep it under the rug and move on mm -hmm. but if you know if logan hadn't had that stroke if kendall hadn't tried multiple times to like you know usurp him and you know the siblings weren't all fighting like the the very public blow-ups that they've had that have then impacted the shareholder it, it's kind of it's all these competing interests that continued to weaken them and so then all that needed to happen was for that to come out and it's like at the worst time possible it really is sort of just another version of game of thrones which makes it all the more fascinating yeah but also don't shareholder meetings like aren't those like every quarter oh god i don't know <laughs> yeah I mean, like it yes. is kind of interesting where it's like well it's all it's you know if only they hadn't done it so close to the shareholder meeting i'm like isn't there one every like <laughs> 12 weeks? Like, what are you talking about? But there was something, I guess, like, someone, did we talk about this, or was this just a conversation I had somewhere? I don't know. Anyway, who who knows who's talking to whom at when, what times, time is meaningless, daylight saving time, we're all, we're all an hour, fall back an hour. Anyway, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the timeline of of the show over three seasons is like several months total. Um, I don't believe that. Like, like there was some. I think it was Reddit people who like were trying to figure it out, and they've come to the conclusion that it 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 hasn't even been a year since the stroke. Um, in terms of like total, because like certain events happen at like certain times, and like they mention you know certain dates or whatever, and so. So it's it's been like I think eight or nine months maybe total. Um, I don't know. Time time moves oddly on this show. I would have said for sure it was over a year, if not like. I don't know. Yeah, it's it is really hard. Mm -hmm. And also because in some ways it kind of doesn't matter. No. Yeah. Other than like you know whatever event like like a shareholder meeting coming up or something. Yeah. Is the raisin Trump? I uh, think the raisin is just meant to be random president. President guy. Conservative president who, yeah. Probably a Trump-ish character right. at the very least. Certainly is willing to like wheel and deal with corporate America. Mm, it's a great show. 
I did like that one subtle moment of like, you want to hear what the president sounds like when he's mad? <laughs> like holds the phone to his assistant. Like, that was it's that just was a joke. pretty entertaining. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's it's succession is still good. Succession is still good. Is the takeaway. Um, also, wait, quick question: hmm. Did where has Kendall gone back to his own apartment? Like that wasn't still Rava's place, right? That was, because isn't that why the rabbit was there? I thought it was that he bought his kids a rabbit. That's why it was Rabbit Cam, because if it was still her place, the kids would have just seen it. Oh, I honestly don't know. Um, It looked like a different layout, but that's why I was really confused, because it was like he was there for so long and they never really, I was like that. You're probably right. That's probably his place. Um, Because the, the running away of it all to Rava's, was just like because it was like that night, yeah. Right, so it was. Um, it's like enough time went by that he could because I can't imagine she would let him do that for an extended period of time. Right, because right. that was so inconsiderate and horrible. Yeah, um, I felt also, so bad for also. Also, Greg opened the wrong wine. Oh my god! It was no, Greg that who was, opened it. No, it was. Uh, oh, it was his girlfriend. His girlfriend. Yeah. And then he had that like, oh look at me surrounded by these women. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, Kendall. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. That must have been his place. Because um, I definitely had a moment of like, oh, thank God you're no longer in your ex-wife's house. Like, if I were her, I would have like screamed at you. <laughs> um, oh, that reminded me one other thing. Was that the first solo Logan cousin Greg scene, or have they had just the two of them before? Oh, I can't remember any others. Um, I don't. Tori would maybe know. She just maybe they've had thing. it, but. Yeah. I think they have, um, like, briefly. Like, usually it was, like, a larger... I don't think there was... Uh, but this usually was kind of like party the first... and he's able to take him to another room to right. ask him something, but it's not like, you know, yeah. This is kind of like the first time that they, like, sat down together. Yeah, like, and intentionally with yeah. no one else around. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just love that he just, like, Cousin Greg is so very Cousin Greg, and he's like, you're a little leverage... So figure out what you want and then come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, like he wasn't even like he didn't even seem mad about it. He's just like, yeah, you're gonna want something. It's a, so it's a lesson. Like yeah. you need to you need to come to the t- this is how negotiations work. Like you yeah. need to have an ask. Like don't just see what you can get. Right. <laughs> um, I do think Greg has Greg is such an interesting character. Like he's still so frustrating, but it's that line of like he's just canny enough to get leverage mm-hmm. but still too much of like a deer in headlights to to always know what to do with it right and I'm I'm waiting for that to really bite him in the ass because mm-hmm. I mean it does kind of get driven home this this week where like the whole scene with Tom where Tom is like realizing that like you know Greg is getting what he wants and Tom right. might be going to prison right but like in another season or two, is that going to be Greg? Right. Um, it, it's also funny that Greg is like going to be promoted to uh, running theme parks while Connor is still just being offered a food mm-hmm. show. <laughs> also, I did I did like that uh, part of Greg's plan. Like he's he's savvy enough to be like, oh no, I need to have like on the ground experience for this to make sense. So I'll pick the park, but he's going to pick the park so he can go home. Like and hang with his mom on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. 
um, which is Well, he ordered perfect. a rum and coke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's strong. It's, should I just like chug? This? Should I just like finish this? <laughs> anyway, Succession is still good, uh, and uh, there's there's much television to watch and more coming. Um, the Psych movie is coming soon. Uh, wait, what? Yellow Jackets is going to premiere next Sunday officially. Um, yeah. Yellowstone is back. Is out now. Yellowstone is back for those of you who are uh, the Dustins of Middle our audience. Dads. Um, the uh, uh, it's a couple weeks out, but How to with John Wilson is coming back for season oh. two, I think uh, around Thanksgiving, I believe. Oh, um, yeah. So, I think uh, you're right. Oh, and the the shrink next door. Oh yeah, shrink next door. Um, there there's a lot of a lot of good TV coming, <gasps> or a lot of TV you, we're excited about. You know what shows coming back in March? Oh right, we didn't uh, we didn't preview. Uh, so so big news, oh. everyone. Um, uh, Tori's uh, Tori's esteemed segment, uh, Kung Fu Corner, will be returning uh, in March. As, in March, uh, Kung Fu second season will be uh, airing on. Will start on March 9th. Mm-hmm. And so Tori will be back to recap all of that for for all of us. And especially me, because I don't watch a show. So. Right. right. Uh, will there be fireplaces? Will there be capelets? I don't know. <laughs> These are all important questions. I'm, they're literally what I've been asking myself during this entire break between seasons. <laughs> I'm very concerned about whether Nikki is going to kick somebody while wearing a cape. Mm-hmm. You guys, <sighs> I look... Wheel of Time also starts on open days. Are any are of excited? us going to watch that? I never read the books. I, I neither have I. But it seems I mean, like something that we should see. Uh, all I know is that right? book people say that it would be impossible to. Isn't that the thing? That's like it would be. It's so vast that it's impossible to. Right. To adapt. Yes. I guess. I don't know. Wait, Dustin, I you th- didn't read them? No, that's not. Oh my no, he doesn't it's, like fantasy. Yeah. Oh. Or Wait, sci-fi. is this? Yeah. What? Oh. Uh, uh, okay. uh, he only likes books that are adapted into vehicles for Nicole Kidman. Oh. Or Snow Crash. Yeah, that's true. He loves Snow Crash. He do love Snow Crash. <laughs> I have learned that... Uh, who, who? What's the book with uh, Beth and um, Amy? Head of Green Gables. No. Tori, help <laughs> me out here. Come on, Beth. <laughs> Who's Beth and Amy? Sisters. Beth and... God damn it. Joe. <laughs> Beth and Joe. Oh, Little Women? Little women. Yes. Every book that I read <laughs> and love is just a variation of Little Women. Like my favorite books, the ones that I get five stars to, are the variations of Little Women. Dan, will you please take this, make it the cold open, and repeat it again in this place? Like, that is good enough. I want to hear it twice. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, the cold open. Oh, my open. God. So that's... Little Women. Uh, okay. have, so wait, but here's the question: Have you read Little Women? No, that's the thing. Oh I've seen the movie. I've seen so the movie. You don't know. No, I, I know enough because I read all of these books that are, you know, these multi generational uh, uh, family Ladies. novels, and they're always they always have a Beth and a or a variation of Elizabeth or Joanna, and uh, one of them always ends up being a lesbian. And it's, they're just my favorite things. 
we have we have officially reached the end of the podcast. <laughs> We're not a book podcast. We're not a book podcast, we but also be. also just in terms of the pure joy that we got from that. Oh yeah, nothing's uh, gonna We're not going to top, top it. So uh, we'll be back <gasps> next week with more television. Thanks, Dustin. It's good to end. Good to it's good to laugh. You know, I it's have good so to, many questions. It's good to laugh. I'm going to go to bed and not be able to sleep because I'm just going to be like, who was, who was the lesbian in Little Women? What is he talking about? Um, have a good night. Good, good night, night everybody. <laughs>